for the prayers and for the um, checking in uh, with with me and uh, this last week as um, as you were here last week you know that that I wasn't I had to stand in here for me and um, uh, I uh, and I always do appreciate and I know you enjoy it when dad I can be here a few of you have asked if again if you weren't here last week he did a sermon on um, on money and somebody said, what do you give him the hard stuff when you're gone? And uh, <laughs> no, but um, I don't object to it either. Uh, I don't actually, in all seriousness, I never assign anybody who preaches uh, on a Sunday when I'm not here. I don't ever assign topics, just so you know. I've, uh, Jay can tell you, Jay's preached before. I don't assign topics, but I was happy to see him bite that one. So bite <laughs> off that one. So um, and, uh, and so I appreciate, appreciate him being here, and um, we, we had, as, as I know I've shared with a lot of you, Ryan and I had a safe trip up, uh, pulled a trailer, I know he talked about that, I haven't done that in a long time, so I was glad to turn that sucker in when I was done with it, but we got up there, and we, um, Ryan and I got there, we left Thursday, and so we drove up to, all the way up to, to Murfreesboro, uh, we stayed at a hotel on Thursday night, and then Friday we moved him into his, he's living in a, um, a single apartment on campus. It's campus housing, but he's in his own apartment, so he's got a living area in his, in his bedroom. And some of you that are on social media may have seen some of the pictures that, that Tony posted. Um, so he's got, he's got a little recording studio right there in his apartment. He's got drums and, and guitars and keyboard and everything. But, um, but because it was just he and I, Tony hadn't gotten up yet. She flew up on Saturday. So, um, so on Friday night, because he was in his own apartment, I, I stayed in the apartment with him. He had a bed, but I took an air mattress. And so, um, so we're going to bed Friday night. And um, Ryan's like, I'm going to leave a light on in the, the living room area so that it kind of illuminates into the, the bedroom. And so we went to bed. And, and I'm laying there. I'm just kind of thinking. I'm like you know what? My kid thinks I need a nightlight. <laughs> That's what that was. That's exactly what that was. Because I'm thinking, I guarantee when I leave, he is not going to leave that light on in the living room. He thinks, he thinks I need a nightlight. And you know what? I was glad to have it. So, uh, you know, and I was thinking about that. How many of you had nightlights when you were kids? How many of you grew up with nightlights in your bedrooms? Yeah, okay. Not, not, actually, not as many of you as I expected. Yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Yeah, he said, how many of you have them now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Way more. And, and that's true. We often think about that as something, um, at least I do, you know, we think about it as something for, for kids, nightlights, because the darkness is scary and there's monsters at night and things to kind of keep them um, comfortable and, and, and calm. But the, the reality is that, that nightlights are really kind of a, a beacon for us. They, they, they do chase away the darkness, but, but we still need them very often as adults because it helps us to navigate. Okay, right? Yeah, when we're getting up a lot more in the night than we used to when we were 8, 9, and 10 years old. It helps us to, to navigate. So as much as I was slightly offended that my son thought I needed a nightlight, I was glad to have it. Um, and, and we are too. There's something inherent about the darkness that can be... Um, intimidating, it can be frightening, or it can be um, 
you know, it, it, it masks the unknown. I think it's in, inherent in the way we created. Our ancestors knew to, to be careful at night. That's when predators roamed. And so even though that's not a fear anymore, there are things that will jump up and bite us if we're not careful at night. So, so nightlight's important. In fact, it, it can become a marketing campaign. You remember, and I don't know if they still do it, but Motel 6... You remember that? that right. Tom, this is Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you, or, or something along those lines, which is this beacon to, um, to, to pull us and to, to kind of give us um, some direction. Well, that leads into where I want to, to spend a few moments with, with James this morning, this, this epistle uh, to the church in the, the Mediterranean to the, to the church in Jerusalem and, and as this kind of growing church around that, the world that, that James writes to um, because there's a need for some light as we, all, as we all know. So I want to pick up at verse 1, the very, very beginning of this epistle. This is what we read. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises in the scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when full-blown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like sifting, shifting shadows, he chooses to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits, of all he created. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, that we would be open to your word and your instruction and your direction in our lives. Be open to hear from your Holy Spirit in these moments and shaped by the work of Christ in each of us. Lord, bless these, these moments that we share, these minutes together, and speak to us your word of truth. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, there is a lot that James says in 18 verses to begin uh, this, this chapter. To begin this, actually not this chapter, begin this, this letter. And 
it's, it's always important to, to, to locate who he's writing to. He's writing to, to these new Christians, these, these new believers. And again, that's everybody at this time because we're in the, the middle of the first century. So, so everybody, for the most part, are new believers, new followers of Jesus. And, and they're living in very uncertain and trying and difficult times. The, the political landscape, the, the economic landscape there in the Mediterranean world and in Jerusalem and, and the areas around Jerusalem was very, um, it was shifting sand, if you will. Uh, the, 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 there was a lot of economic hardships. There was a very often crisis of food that the people faced. Uh, the, 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 the Romans dominated the world and as emperors changed, that meant a lot of uncertainty for Christians and Jews of the day. A lot of sometimes persecution and suffering. And of course there was tension even within the faith because of this new movement of, of Christianity. And so there was just a lot of, of turmoil, a lot of uncertainty. And if you want to say, there was, there was this experience of, of darkness, this experience of, of, of fear about what was coming. There would be a Jewish revolt, and there would be some, some, some historical movements and pivots that would happen in, in this area in the years that, that followed this, this letter. But, it, but it's that, that kind of that, that feeling of, of darkness that really kind of uh, jumped out at me as I began to, to kind of read through this, this, this feeling of this... This, this moving cloud of uncertainty and, and anxiety that was beginning to infiltrate and cover these, these people and these followers of Jesus. And I think that feeling is, is, is addressed when, when James uses a, a phrase, a description of God that is only used in this passage in all of the Scripture. He, he uses a name of God that, that is not found anywhere else in the Bible. And it's at the end. We've kind of worked backwards again this morning in our text. But it's at verse um, 17. Starting at verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Or as some of the translations, if you're looking at Bibles, most often seen as just the Father of lights. <coughs> It is the only place in all the Bible that God is referred to as the Father of Light or the Father of Lights. And I think that's, that's fascinating. I think that's very, very telling. Now, the, the New International Version, which is what I read from on Sundays, calls that the Father of Heavenly Lights because that is the, the illusion that, that James is getting to, the, the God who has created all things, that spoke light into existence, very beginning of Genesis, that, that has created it all. And so, so that, that creative power of God. But I think it's also that, that recognition that into this world where we're experiencing the, the, the anxiety that comes with, with uncertainty, that we're feeling this darkness all around us. Let the God of light speak into your soul. Let the God of light speak, speak truth into your life and to begin to, if you will, chase away that darkness. And that is really important to me because I don't think any of us are unfamiliar with that feeling, that those clouds that start to cover the light in our lives, that feel the darkness of circumstance or situation or uncertainty or fear begin to, to cloud. And, that, and, and James says to these believers, be focused, if you will, if you allow me to paraphrase, focused on the Father of light, the father of the heavenly lights, who is unchanging, says he doesn't shift. The shadows don't shift. The idea is that this doesn't move with seasons 
the, the lights change, the direction of the lights change, the, the shadows change, things are, are uncertain, but not with God. Not with God. He speaks to us the word of truth. And all of this is in those, just those few verses at the very end. This, this word of truth, this certainty that you can depend on, this light that you can focus on, that you can allow to speak these, these words of truth in your life. The one who gives all good gifts. Well, what do, what do those gifts look like? What does that mean to say God is the giver of, of, of every good gift? Perfect gift. Well, it's not a recognition that God gives us what we want. But God always provides what we need. He doesn't always give us what we want, but God always provides what we need. And that good and perfect gift, which is, which is understood throughout the, 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 the totality of the Scriptures, is this, this word of truth. And of course, word in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. That's very often how they understood the presence of Christ. Christ is the incarnate word of God. Well, what does Christ bring to us? What does the word of God bring to us? It brings God's forgiveness. It brings God's acceptance. It brings God's salvation and redemption. It brings us the promise that no matter how crazy life gets, no matter how uncertain is the, the circumstances that we experience, that the, the immovable truth, the unchangeable truth is God's love and God's grace and the salvation that is given through Christ. James is saying to the church, be strong and focus on the light in the midst of the, the uncertainty that you are experiencing. Focus on that truth that you are forgiven. You are a son or a daughter of God. You have the gift of salvation. Focus on your hope that you know in Christ Jesus that transcends all the fear and anxiety of what is going on all around you. Be drawn to the light. Be drawn to the light. <coughs> sitting out on our porch about a month ago. Uh, it, was, it was dark outside. I'd gone outside. Sometimes we have a swing on the front porch at the parsonage. And um, I had gone, gone out there just to, you know, sit and swing and, you know, reflect. And, and um, I, I kind of like sometimes sitting in the dark. And the, the, the swing is right next to a window that is into our closet in the, in the bedroom. And so Tony had come in about the time I'd gone down to sit, gone outside to sit, and she turned on the closet light, and uh, so, so the light was shining right there. And so I kind of, actually, you know what I did? I, I was sitting on the porch, I called her on her cell phone. <laughs> I did, I do this. She drives her crazy. I'll do this when she's in the other room sometime, and I don't want to get up. I'll call her. And I said, would you, would you turn off the light in the, uh, in, the, in the closet? And so she did. And then all of a sudden, something happened. I started to get just covered in bugs. Just all over, the bugs were coming. And I'm like, that wasn't happening a few minutes ago. And I went, oh, we turned off the light. So I got up and I opened the front door and I turned on the porch light door over the door. And all of a sudden, bugs didn't bother me anymore. You know why? Because they flock to the light, right? They flock, they're drawn to the light. And, and believe it or not, I tell you, I, I go on crazy rabbit trails when I'm preparing for a sermon. I was researching why bugs are attracted to the light. And there's no conclusive um, theory as to why. There's a lot of different theories, and I'm not getting into them because they're really not important. 
But it was this, I'm, I'm just sitting there and I'm watching, and there, the light, there's just something that pulls them to the light. In the midst of all the darkness around them, they focus on the light. Now, that's kind of a weird bridge. I know, I'm not comparing us to bugs. Some of us. Um, but the idea is that what ought to draw our attention, what ought to draw our focus, is not the darkness around, but the light before. It's the light of God that invites us into this powerful relationship, these powerful relationships which speaks the words of hope and assurance and, and faith in the midst of sometimes the uncertainty that swirls all around, to be drawn to the light. And if that was the only point James was getting at, that's, that's an important point, an important focus for us. But, but that's not the only thing. Because what James would say to the church, what, what James would say to us, what God says to us, is there's a reason to be focused on the light. And it is not simply to absorb it. It is not simply to receive it. That is important. That's as part of it. But we are not called to be black holes. You know, a black hole sucks up everything that comes. A black hole sucks up all light. It just, it just, it's gone. But that's not our call. Our call is not to absorb the light for ourselves, but to reflect the light for others. We are called to be a reflection of the light of Christ. I started with that, that talking about the nightlight. And, and how we need a, a nightlight. If we want to kind of spiritualize this, how God provides that direction and that light that, that navigates and, and helps us through those moments of, of those areas that we don't see so well. But, but the truth is that we're not just called to, to have a light, but, but to be one. You and I are called to be a, a nightlight, if you will, for, for somebody else. You and I are called to reflect the light of Christ for others to see, to, 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 to share that. And that's, that's part of, of what James is saying. When we go back to the entirety of the text, Paul, I mean, Paul, I'm sorry, James addresses these realities that, that the people are facing. And he says to them, he gives them instructions. There's this kind of just rapid fire of instructions. For instance, when you're in times of trial, he says, persevere. He says, persevere, be strong. He says that, that you should seek wisdom. We've talked about this in the last uh, a number of weeks ago. Seek wisdom. He says, have faith. Stay strong. Don't be double-minded. Have faith. That opens you up to the, to the work of God in your lives. He says, don't find fault. A lot of us could take some advice from this to remember to not be fault finders. Remember, not tear down, but, but to lift up. He says, be humble. Be humble. That's his words of caution to the rich and the poor. Be, be humble. And he says, resist temptation. Resist your own journey into those things that would pull you away from the way of God. These are the instructions he's given to the church. These are the navigation points he's offering as these new believers walk in these uncertain days. But it's not just so that they will be blessed but so that they will be a blessing. What he wants them to do is to shine bright the light of Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 5, he says, you 
are the light of the world. Isn't that interesting? He says to the church, to, to the disciples, to those who are gathered, it's the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you are the light of the world. And he goes on to say, so that others will see your good deeds and do what? Give glory to your Father in heaven. You become a reflection point in which others see God. James, the, the entire epistle hinges on this kind of understanding. Verse 22, we didn't get to it. <coughs> Excuse me. But he says to the church, he says, be doers of the word. This is what it means to be a doer, to have faith, to persevere, to be humble, to avoid temptation. Be doers of the word. And then the most famous verse, I think, in James, at least in my opinion, is James 2.26. The next chapter over, he says, faith without works is dead. Is dead. It was that controversial verse that Martin Luther had so many issues with. But, but the point being that your call as a follower of Jesus, my call as a follower of Jesus is not simply to absorb the light of Christ. It's not uh, to absorb these good gifts that God gives solely. That is part of it. But, but our call is to, is to reflect it. Our call is to, to share that with the world around us so that in us, they would see Christ. In us, they would see the, the, the work of God that we become, we begin to paint a picture of who Jesus is and what Jesus does and, and what Jesus looks like, if you will. It's not our light, but it's the light of God at work within us. I, I put a picture in the slides. Bob, would you pop that picture up on the screen for me? You guys, you guys know what that is? It's a light bright, yeah. If you looked at the sermon title, it's spelled differently than the sermon title. It's a light bright. How many had a light bright? Or had your kids had a light bright? You know what it is? Okay, I don't even know if they still make them. Um, but do they, do they still make them? I wouldn't think it'd be high-tech enough in the day, today's day and age. But, but you know, a, a light bright, it's a very simple piece of technology if you're not familiar with it. You know, you put this picture, this black this black canvas, if you will, over the, over the machine, and there's lights behind it. And then you would take your little colored pegs that are not lit on their own, and you'd pop it through one of the holes. And when it went into the machine, it absorbed the light that was behind it, and it reflected it. And, and that wasn't all. But when you started to put them together, you made pictures. I should have put one up with a picture. I didn't think to do that. But, but it makes pictures. It begins to paint a picture or create a picture. You know, it's the church of Jesus Christ. You know what our call is? To reflect the light of God. To focus on the, 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 the light, the Father of lights, so that we together paint a picture. But that picture's Jesus. That picture's Jesus in, in the way that we reach, in the way that we care for each other and we care for those outside our walls. The way that we treat others. The way that we... We embody the character of Jesus. We absorb the light to reflect it so others would see Jesus. What kind of a picture do we paint? What kind of light do we reflect? When we focus on the Father of lights, it is to receive the goodness of God and the promises of God. But it's then to be part of the picture he's painting so the world will see Jesus. You are the light of the world. As he says, you don't put a light and cover it up. You let it shine. 
You let it shine. What would, um, Lynn and I talked about it. She said, we should sing this little light of mine. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sing it. So, um, <laughs> but but that's, that's, that's the song we learn in Sunday school and teaching little ones. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. How are we shining? How are we light brights that reflect that love of God? The encounters that God gives us to do that, they're so subtle. They're so easy to miss, but we'll never know the power that they may have in the life of someone else. Saturday morning, last week, I, um, after the night on the air mattress with the nightlight in Ryan's apartment, I, uh, I checked back into the hotel in Murfreesboro. It's a sleep-in that we stay at. We've kind of got our spot now. When we go up and we see Ryan or we move him in, Tony, as I said, was flying in Saturday, so the air mattress on the floor wasn't going to work for the whole weekend. So, uh, so I went and I, I checked back in, and, and uh, a woman by the name of Sarah was, was checking me in. And, um, you know, you just, you can kind of tell sometimes when somebody's tired, you know? She, she, you know, she, just, she was very pleasant. I don't, I don't mean that in any way, but I could see she was, she was tired. And so we were, uh, we were talking, and, and she was... Um, just having some conversation, and she asked me, as, as, a, as they will do, you know, how are you doing today? And, and so I answered, and then I looked at her, and I just said, how are you doing today? And she said, I'm tired. She said, I'm tired. I've got a few more hours to go. And, and I imagine working, and some of you probably know, working a front desk at a, at a hotel, and certainly you have your share of disgruntled and unhappy um, guests, and, um, and so we just talked for a few, few minutes about what I was doing in town and some things about her. And then very interesting, toward the end, and, and somebody else was starting to come in at this point, and she said to me, she looked at me, and she said, what do you do for a living? <laughs> that can be a loaded question sometimes. And um, I said, I'm a pastor. And she smiled. And she said, I can tell. And I, she meant it as a compliment. Um, <laughs> she said, uh, she's like, you have a very calming presence. And I thought a lot about that. I thought a lot about that. And somebody was coming, that was kind of where it ended. But I thought maybe, you know, and, and I miss more of these opportunities than I take. I, please don't, don't hear me setting myself up as a hero here. This was maybe one moment where I just, I got it right in a sea of moments I'm sure I miss. But I thought, you know, her words, you are a calming presence. Maybe in that moment, I just got to reflect Jesus a little bit. Just got to paint a picture. Be a part of others, I hope, in her life that are, that are painting that picture. Maybe she's a follower of Jesus. I, again, we didn't get to go much further with that conversation. I thought, well, how many moments did God give us to do that? To be that kind of influence, that kind of person, that kind of reflection of Jesus in the lives of others. Yeah, focus on the light, the Father of lights, because it is the way in which He speaks His truth and His grace and His love in, in our hearts. But don't just suck it up. Let it shine. Let it shine so others will see it too. Persevere. Have faith. Be humble. Don't tear down, but build up and reflect Christ in all we do. In that, we become light brights. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord.
thank you first and foremost for the salvation and the grace that you give through Christ. That you give to all who come to you and open their hearts to, to receive the light of love that you speak into our lives. But then challenge us to, to reflect that. To, to be a light to others. To, to join as the body of Christ and to paint that picture of Jesus that we're called to, to reveal to others through the way that we live and the way that we love. Help us to do that faithfully, to be that light to others as you are surely that light for us. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen.